0: Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, as I've already made known. It's Happy Birthday to the Church. Not, not necessarily Happy Birthday Jesus. You know, we celebrated that at Christmas. But today is Happy Birthday to the Church. It's, it's the day. It's, uh, it, it came at the end of Shabbat, the Jewish celebration of Shabbat. It's the, it's the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, if you were a Jew and you, uh, were familiar with that, it was celebrating the harvest. And we have come to that time once again this year where it's, it's Pentecost. It's 50 days, 50 days since Jesus came out of the tomb. It's, it's, it's that time of year when we celebrate the church. Now, you may be saying, well, wait a minute, pastor, the church has always been in existence. Yes, it has. Uh, but the church went through a transition. The, the, uh, the pre-incarnate church, uh, worshipped in temple, they did temple uh, worship, they they worshipped through giving of sacrifices, but when Jesus came, and for that 30 uh, years approximately, we believe that he came and he walked this earth, he was God in the flesh, he gave his life, and uh, he freely gave it, they didn't take it, and he rose again, and then he says, but I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm going to send you another comforter, if you're reading the King James. I'm going to send you another helper. Some English words, uh, wordings use the word advocate. He said, I'm not expecting you to be the church, the church that I've established, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not expecting you to do that alone. He said, therefore, I will send you another comforter, the Holy Ghost. That's the abiding spirit of God. Now understand me, there's only one God. There's only one God, but there's, if you would, we are a Trinitarian church. So in that sense that we are a Trinitarian church, there's one God that exists in three persons. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are, they are connected together in their personhood. They're, they're, uh, last weekend I did the Wednesday, which by the way, where are their newlyweds at? Are we glad to have our newlyweds back at church with us this morning? yeah yeah I have to chase a rabbit every once in a while, and they've got the two rabbits back home so uh but but uh, it was good to have them back in service this morning. We miss them when they're not here, Mr. and mrs. Browning but anyway, we going back to the to last week in the wedding as I was presenting them with their wedding rings. I mentioned how that the, the ring is a continuous circle, and there's not a beginning point and ending point. And we must understand that while each, each person of the Godhead, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each of them have a particular work that they do that is still one God. It's one God. You can't separate them. You can't divide them. You can't pull them apart. Uh, they, they operate, it's that endless circle that they operate in. So, so we're here on Pentecost, we, we celebrate the impartation of the Holy Spirit in the form of a baptism. Now the Holy Ghost had always been in existence because, remember, the Holy Ghost is God. So the Holy Ghost has always been in existence. He just was. He wasn't invented to come and and show up on Earth after uh, Jesus ascended back to heaven. No, the Holy Ghost is uh, the Holy Ghost is God. So the, in the beginning, uh, God said, "Let us, let us." I believe that very much means Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us create man in our own image. So the the person of the Holy Ghost has always been and always will be. he, he is eternal God. But what happened is on the day of Pentecost there was a baptism in the Holy Ghost that came. A submersion. It was an outpouring into the church. It happened for a reason and the reason it happened is that the church may be empowered. That the church may not... Now, you know, we're Pentecostals here this morning, okay? And I I get that and I understand that. But, But the Holy Ghost sometimes we think about His work as being a work that benefits us and in essence it does benefit us but but in reality we are to be full of the Holy Ghost baptized in the Holy Ghost that we may have power to carry out the ministries that Jesus came and established here on earth. We are to be carrying out the work and the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ if you would. So we are here today and you could be Baptist, you could be Pentecostal. I, I mean, I don't, you know, I heard a great friend of mine, Jim Moran, one day, he said, you know, there's not really a true Pentecostal. He said, they are hybrids of a little bit of everything. You know, and uh, they got a little bit of Baptist in them. They got a little bit of Methodist in them. They got a little bit of Nazarene in them. Uh, you know, if in my case, I got a little bit of Episcopalian in me. You may have some Catholic in you, whatever it is. But but when it comes down to 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 denominations, if you would, and uh, uh, that there, there's probably not really necessarily anything as a pure Pentecostal or Baptist or Methodist or whatever, because if we are truly following God's word, I think it holds well and good for all of us. So, so, but as Pentecostals, we do focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as we focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what happens to us is we sometimes we lose track and we think that it's, he is for our That baptism exists for our benefit, which is all about us carrying forth the work of Jesus Christ. He's called us to go into all the world, and he says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then you shall go into all of the world, and you'll preach the gospel. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to cast out devils. Now, listen, that is not an exclusive to some church that calls themselves Pentecostal. That, that, that is, that, that covers the church in its entirety. However, as Pentecostals, you know, we, we operate in and we practice in the, the fullness of the baptism. And therefore, I, am of a believer, not that we, we're not better than any other denomination, if you would. We don't have, a, we don't have a commodity on anything over top of any other denomination, uh, if you would. But as, when we label ourselves Pentecostals, we should be people that are full of the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost and being able to go out and reach and minister and to people starting in Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. Starting right here in Bluewell, we should be ministering. I, 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 sorry, I did not even got to my message yet. I want you classical scripture for today is Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, as we go to Acts chapter 2, that is, uh, that this is the, the, this is the birth record of the New Testament church. Let me tell you something. Jesus has been crucified in, in the previous two months. Jesus has been crucified Jesus revealed himself. Jesus has ascended back to heaven. He said, I'm going away, but here's what I want you to do. And he gave them the instruction and thank God for some 120 that followed his instruction. And they were waiting in the upper room, the upper chamber, which is high on a, it's a, it's a hill. It's not a, a huge hill. It probably is, it, maybe not even as steep as this ridge that's right behind our church here, but on top of that hill is a, a a large marble zebo if you would it was an open air tabernacle the upper room and that is the place where that he told them to tarry there and to remain in in one mind, one accord. I think he gave them specific instruction because we saw them carried out, and he told them to be in prayer. So we go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to slip down to verse 14 for sake of saving some of this time or regaining some of this time that I have burned up already. Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bible, your iPhone, or something there, I want to read to you. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated. If you're reading King James, it says cloven tongues of fire that came and set on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then if you want to go down to verse fourteen. As you go down to verse fourteen you find that that uh and I don't preach about what happens between verse. Verse, uh, 4 and 14 here in just a minute. But now, now Peter had stood up and, and Peter is, is addressing the public, the, the population if you would. Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice, which means he was addressing the crowd. He raised his voice, he addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews, And all of you who live in Jerusalem. So he was not only addressing Jews, but he was addressing any Samaritans, anyone that lived in Jerusalem. He was addressing them. He said, let me explain this to you and listen to what I have to say. And he goes on from there and he says, this is that. That was prophesied by Joel. This is what Jesus said would come. Father, as we come to you today, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for working and ministering in our lives. I thank you for touching us and blessing us, Lord God. I am glad that I am a New Testament Christian. I am thankful, Lord, that I have been endued with power by the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you have equipped me to do your work and to follow forth in the kingdom of God in all that you would have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on 9 o'clock, roughly, 9 o'clock on the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, the Jews were, Jerusalem was crowded, uh, there was thousands and thousands, perhaps millions of people in Jerusalem, and which is basically a small city, a very tiny area, and 9 o'clock on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit suddenly and dramatically enters the scene in a different manifestation than we've ever seen before. Uh somewhere between verses 4 and 5, I didn't read those to you, but somewhere in there, the prayer meeting after the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell in that upper room, the prayer meeting began to spill out into the street. It began to spill out onto uh Mercer Avenue, Mercer Street, Bland Street. It began to spill out on Route Twenty. It began to spill out on Lorton Lick Road. It began to spill, it began to spill out all these different places, if you would. the The, the Holy Spirit began to spill out, and, and 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 it did so with the intention of God. That was His intention. That was His desire. I believe everything that God does is intricately planned and and carried out in perfect time and perfect plan. And God wanted to pour out this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this Baptism that had never occurred before uh, in all of the church. This had never happened. He he was wanting and desiring to pour his spirit not just out on the church but into the church. It happened at a time when Jerusalem was jam packed with people for the feast of Pentecost. Perhaps a million or more were in the city that day. It was a holiday. It was revolving around Yahweh. Sacrifices were being brought to him. Offerings were being brought for the the Lord. Jews were came, came to the city to meet their God, and they came there to meet on His terms. So it was the ideal opportunity for the message of Jesus to be proclaimed and this new church to be launched, because understand with me this morning that the Jews were struggling. The Jews still struggle with accepting Jesus as Messiah, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the seal, if you would. It was the seal that that God's approval was on this church. when you when you compare this to the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist, we go back in Scripture and we find there that when Jesus was baptized, the Son was in the water and a voice from heaven spoke out and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. While simultaneously a, a, a image in the form of a dove came and sat upon Him which is the Holy Spirit. And we see the three persons of God, the Godhead come together in the baptism of Jesus. When the, when the, when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost came, I think we're seeing the completion of the blessings of God that overcame the New Testament church. And we see when that happened that a Holy Ghost revival meeting or a prophetic conference, if you would, just broke out in Jerusalem. And people began to speak and, in languages that they didn't know, and, and people begin to be confused. They accuse them of being drunk, but but Peter clarifies that when he begins to get up and to be, be proclaim his speech, and he begins to, to, to give his message of how people are, are being filled with the Spirit, and this is what you have been prophesied to about. Now, if this had happened today, if we would experience an outpouring like this today, and and, you know, uh, we were talking a few weeks ago about some of the old Pentecostal meetings. Uh, and I realize we can't dwell in the past. I realize that very much. But at the same time, I think there's much to be learned from our our heritage and what's happened in the past. We can learn things from that. And we saw outpourings of the Holy Spirit. We saw country people right here in the Blue Ridge Mountains where we're at. We saw country people that had no education country people that had no uh learning if you would many of them many 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 couldn't read and write the generation that came before my generation and the generation before them many of them were illiterate and i say that with with uh, with all due respect they time and 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 they didn't understand and they didn't have a lot of comprehension but they knew how to get a hold of god they knew how to pray and they knew how to seek god and what they couldn't comprehend in their reading and their natural ability or even in their learned or unlearned ability the holy spirit began to reveal to them and pour into them and out upon them his will and we saw a church in the early 1900s known as the the movement of pentecostal not just one denomination, begin to move and sweep from California eastward across this country. And there was miracles that occurred in the the middle part of that century in the 1940s and the 1950s. We begin to see great revivals and people healed. Uh, People that were paralyzed begin to get up and walk. We begin to see people that had deaf ears. Their ears were open. And, And it's not because people had knowledge. And don't misunderstand understand me I think scriptural knowledge is great in fact I encourage it I think I think uh, Christian education is great I encourage it but understand this when, when 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 all else fails when all else is not working for the church the impartation of the Holy Ghost and fire will always work in the church. The Holy Ghost will and does bring the church to life. But if one of these revivals, and I believe it's still there. I believe it still exists. If we will bring ourselves together like they did in that upper room. And we will bring ourselves into one mind, one accord. And we will pray. I believe that there is a, I believe there is yet another shaking. There is only one baptism of the Holy Spirit. But yet at the same time I believe there's many, many refillings. And the church can be refilled. The church can can be brought back to life. Now, if that happened, uh, you know, I, I I don't know that I can preach this as much now as I could a year ago. But, but if this would have happened to us in this modern day time, probably what we would have done is we would have went out and if we had this revival started as a building project. Or we'd have bought us a few buses, or we'd have bought us some vans, and and there's nothing wrong with building projects and vans. Don't go out here and say I'm preaching against it, but 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 we would have, we would have done something. We would we would have begin to say, oh, we got to take advantage of this great revival, and or maybe we'd have went ahead and bought some TV time, and we'd have been on Daystar or one of the other TV shows, and and and, and we would have, we would have done all kinds of things like that. But I want to tell you, none of that was. In the upper room, none of that was available. Amen. You know, and right now, these past three months, things have changed dramatically for us as churches. We're we're not doing business as usual. We have been. We have. We have. It has forced us as churches. This whole this whole COVID nineteen. No matter what side of the fence you're on, what you think about it, what you think about it, the one thing that I say, it has caused us as the church. And I'm not talking about just voice of praise. It has caused us as the church, the collective church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to do church differently than we've ever done it before. We, we've we been forced to get out of our comfort. We've been forced to do unusual. Sometimes we might not have liked it. You may not like it right now. But, but, but the fact of the matter is, God has moved us in, or the circumstance has moved us, into being positioned for something unusual and remarkable to happen. I believe that the church right now is positioned and we are are ready if we so choose and we so desire that the church could experience another great awakening right now. It may not happen inside this building. It may, in fact, I I doubt that it will happen inside this building. It may filter inside the building, but I think it's going to happen outside the Building, because you see, that's what happened in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out. That that big building I spoke of up on top of that ridge—it's it, sort of like this giant gazebo. We went to it. We've been. We've sat down in it and and and, and listened to preaching in it and listened to people pray in that that area. It, it's it's not tremendously large. It's not as big as our church building even, but it's larger than an average gazebo. A good crowd of people can gather in it. But here's what happened. Those 120 were gathered in that upper chamber, but they didn't stay there. Physically, they did not stay there. You see, what happens with us is a lot of times we physically get satisfied and like to stay where we're at. You know, a couple of, or a year or so ago, Sarah and I ditched the dish. We got rid of our satellite TV. It wasn't. And I'll be very frank with you. I want to be very plain with you. It wasn't a spiritual conviction. It was a conviction that we got tired of paying $120 a month for something that's not really worth the watch. And I could, we could buy a Fire Stick or, you know, that's what we bought. You could buy a Roku, whatever whatever those things are called. And you can get Internet TV and just pay for what you want to use. But we, 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 have, we bought us a little antenna and we get all these local TVs, TV stations. And and I love watching the reruns of the shows that I grew up on. My my dad my dad grew up grew me up on them. I guess I love watching that Sanford and Son. We watch Hogan's Hero. We watch Green Acres, And, and we also watch All in the Family. Oh, Archie and Edith Bunker. You know we we watch that. We watch it all the time. But 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 you know in that in in, in all of that, you know, uh, Archie was grouchy. He didn't like anybody sitting in his chair. He didn't like anybody sitting in his chair, especially Meathead, his son in law. For those of you that have never watched it. And, and, and Archie didn't want, his chair was wore out, it looked bad, that was his place of comfort. He didn't want anybody messing with his comfort zone. You know what? Sometimes we as the church, we have Archie Bunker Syndrome. We get, we get, we get satisfied, we get in our place, and we don't want anybody sitting in our chair, and we don't want anybody moving us out of our chair. We're just satisfied with sitting there in it until it, until it rots down and falls down in the floor. But I've got news for you. We are not going to have revival until we get out of that chair. And I think the Holy Spirit is using the circumstances at hand to move us out of our chair. So if, if, if we are, if we move out of our chair, we're going to start reaching out into Mercer County more than we're already doing. We're going to reach into Taswell. We might reach over into McDowell County. You know, I'm quite proud of myself. When I got here, when I, when Sarah and I arrived here five and a half years ago, I was, I was real, I tried to be real proper about it, and, and I called it McDowell County. I said over in McDowell County. And then somebody straightened me out, and they say, you meant McDowell County. The county. But whether it's in Mercer, McDowell County, Taswell, Raleigh County, wherever, Bland County, you know, Giles County, wherever it's at, there is a field that is white to harvest. And we have been imparted with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We have been baptized in the Holy Ghost that we may go out and minister into those fields and reach those people. We will never do it sitting in this building. We will never do it sitting in our chairs. God is calling us to move out of the upper room and into the streets of Jerusalem If you would listen, it's more than some of the things that we have made it. It's more than just getting me a blessing. It's more than just talking in an unknown tongue. It's more than just the, the waking and the quaking and the holy rolling that used to be associated with Pentecostalism. It's about us going out and reaching a world that is lost and dying. And if you don't believe that the world is not in worse shape than it's ever been before, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and, and take a minute and just click on the news link on your phone and just read the scroll over the headlines. If you don't believe that the world is not in a worse shape than we've ever known, I want you to go home and, and turn on the news if you don't have it on your phone. I want you to pick up a newspaper. I want you to find out that in the streets of this great land that we live, not so awfully far away, within an hour or two of where we're at right now, the streets were being looted last night. Stores were being broken into. Uh, stores were being set on fire and burned. All because people are, are being driven by anger. Some are being driven by fear. Some are just... I think, being driven out of total foolishness. But the reality of it is we live in a world right now more than ever before that is in need of a Savior. We live in the United States of America right now. Listen, the problem is not unnecessary killing. The problem is not racism. The problem is not a virus. The problem is none of that. The problem is we need to get back to God. We need to get back to Jesus. We need a revival, a Jesus revival in this land that we live in. And guess what? That responsibility, much of that responsibility, lies in our hands as the church. We're to be praying. We're to be reaching people. We're to be touching their lives. Because of the cause of We are filled with the Spirit. And for the cause of Jesus Christ, we begin to work in their lives. Man, I'm not going to get through with half this message right now. How many more donuts we have over there? We, can we do a second round of donuts and I'll preach the rest of this message? Another hour's worth. Okay. No, I'm not gonna hold you that long. I realize your cars are probably warm. I read a story in, or it's a story in one of Max Lucado's books of, uh, back at the turn of the 20th century. The story was about a lady that was very wealthy, but she was also quite frugal. You know, a lot of times we are, we're impressed, uh, if you're a Dave Ramsey fan, and Sarah and I, sort of, we're somewhat Dave Ramsey fans, and uh, sometimes it's not the guy that's driving the Lincoln or the Maserati or the Porsche and wearing the Armani suits and the designer shoes and designer sunglasses. Sometimes that's not the people that's got all the money. I, I know if you went back when I was in the car business There was an old fella, uh, from one of our neighboring counties away on up and he used to come to the car auctions in bib overalls and had duct tape wrapped around his shoes to hold them together. Looked like he hadn't shaved in, in probably five or six months and, uh, driving, driving old, uh, some old junkie Kia or, or something like that, or a Metro. What's that thing? Geo driving an old junkie Metro, or something like that. You know what? And, and so I was told he was a multimillionaire, but you'd never known it to look at him. This woman was quite wealthy, but you would have never known it. She was very frugal in uh, in her living, and she was she was very very frugal. She lived in a small house uh, outside of of Ireland, and as she lived outside of Ireland. Uh, she had no electricity in her home. Being quite able to afford electricity, she had electricity put into her little humble home in Ireland. She, uh, she had that installed and has, is the custom. The meter reader, if you would, or the, the utility guy comes around to read her usage of her lights and she sh- she was showing in a in the span of 1 month she showed virtually no usage no usage now i can remember i can remember in my one of my grandparents my grandparents the taylor household i can remember they had one light bulb right in the middle of each room and they had a string on it and you didn't leave more than one light bulb burning at a time so i can relate to this but the guy comes to read this lady's meter and he's concerned. He he goes and knocks on the door and he said, "Ma'am." He said, "Your meter scarcely shows any usage at all." He said, "Is there something wrong?" She said, "Well, I know there's nothing wrong." He said, "Well, are your lights working?" She said, "Yes, sir." She said, "When it gets dark, I turn them on long just long enough to light my candles." I turned them on just long enough to light my candles. Understand what I'm saying to you. She, she, She had the source of energy that she needed to illuminate her home. She had everything she needed, but she wasn't willing to tap in what would light her home. She was content living in the dimness of a candle, or even, if you would, are setting in the dark. She wasn't willing to use what was available to her. Oftentimes, as believers, we fail to tap into the source that God has given us to tap into. We live beneath our privilege as Christians. We serve God beneath what He has Called us to live beneath, because we failed to operate in the fullness of the spirit. The only people that can do anything about that is you. Now, I can look at you and I could say, "Well, you would have more revival, you would have a greater revival if you would do this and you would do that. The church would have a great revival and, you know what? I could point fingers all around this parking lot and I could say you and you and you and you if you would do this, if you would do that, we could have great revival. But understand this: the only house that I can tend to the only the only light. The only light switch that I really have responsibility of flip it on in my, is the one in our house, my household. And you, just like this woman, she didn't, she wasn't willing to tap into the source. You have to be willing to tap into the source. You must be willing to latch into God. I need and I want and I desire everything that you have for us. I desire to, 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 to receive the fullness of the Holy Ghost. I re- desire to receive the fullness of the Spirit. I desire to move into the dimension that you have designed and chosen for me to move into. You know, you, we, we got to get beyond just sitting and waiting. We've got to pursue. These 120 people that gathered in the upper room that day, let me tell you why. They, they, you know, we, we, we read that and we think, they're, these guys, they're just sitting around. They're just sitting around and they're just waiting on something to happen We're just watching the news. We're just sitting there. Come, Lord Jesus, come. When is this going to happen? What, 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 when, when, you know, I've been watching, you know, I've been watching this now for, I've been watching this now for ten days and nothing still hasn't happened. You know, sometimes we find ourselves just sitting around and, and looking and watching and waiting. You know, uh well, God, you know what? I've been, I've been sitting here and I've been watching and I've been waiting on revival. I've been, I've been a Christian now for, for more than 40 years and, and I've been set hearing about this revival and I've just been sitting and watching. I've been waiting on it, but I still haven't seen it. I challenge you today to move out of the sitting and watching and waiting mode. Yes, they were, excuse me, they were tarrying in Jerusalem. They did remain there. But let me tell you, they weren't were just sitting around looking north, south, east, and west. They were there in one mind. They were there in one accord. They were encouraging one another and they were pursuing the presence of God. And if we are going to enter, if we are going to entertain the, the, the third person of the Trinity, if we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and we're going to see, if we're ever going to see revival, let me tell you, it's going to have to come through the Holy Ghost. And the, the way it's going to come through the Holy Ghost is it's going to come through you and I pursuing Him. I bet you to your Red Cross blood drive. Hopefully we're, we're going to have the diaper run. Hopefully later on this fall we're, we're going to do at least do some type of, of our annual fun day that we've done through the years. We're going to do some other things to reach out in this community. But I want to tell you, as we reach, as we go out into the community, as we begin to touch lives and change lives, let me tell you what. I don't want to go. I don't want to go out there and be very hollow, in the sense of. Well, hollow is not a good word. I don't want to go out there and be hollow is a better word. I don't want to go out there and be hollow. I don't want to go out there and be an empty shell. You know, this is locust here. Any of y'all had any locusts around your house? So, I was out at my son's house and my dad's place the other day and cleaning up at the aftermaths of the rain. And and all over one sides of one of the building was all of these hulls, I call them. The shells where the locusts had molted and came out of their shells, the bug left just a hollow shell sticking on the side of the building. And I was showing them to my my grandkids doing the grandfatherly thing, and I was explaining to them what happened to the bugs. And, And that was just an empty shell that won't hurt you. You know, sometimes the operating is an empty shell. Sometimes we as the church are operating, we're, we're, we're not a lot different than an empty locust shell that's stuck to the side of the building, stuck to the side of the tree. But you know what? When you pick up a locust that is alive, That thing will, uh, that thing will buzz and it'll flutter its wings and it'll fly and those things will bury down in the ground. And you know what? As we get in the summer, we'll notice it more and more. And when you get a bunch of live locusts together, they make a lot of noise. It's noticeable. You know what? The church. We need to come together. Be alive. The church is alive. We are alive. We are a living organism created and breathed into by God. So if you want revival, if you want revival in the church, we been praying for it for years now. And we're going to keep praying for revival. But I want you to pray for it for you. I want you to begin to pray and say, Lord, impart unto me your Holy Spirit baptize me in your Holy Spirit, baptize me full of your love, baptize me full of your grace, baptize me full of your power. So right now, wherever you're at, if you're watching by Facebook Live, you're sitting car you're sitting in a lawn chair around one of these corners here somewhere or you're you're maybe up on top of one of these hillsides but you can you're within earshot and you can hear us i want you to do this right now i want you to begin to pray that god would impart into your life his holy spirit that's what he's wanting to do so right now father as we pray God, I pray for everyone that's listening today. I pray for, for, for those who are listening by radio, watching and listening by Facebook Live, sitting in this parking lot, listening down over one of these hillsides. Lord God, I'm praying, Lord, as we begin, Lord, to pursue you, that Lord, that you will hear our cry, and you will hear, fill us with your spirit. We're not begging you for it because Lord, we know it was a gift. But Lord, we announce to you, we want to receive the gift that you have for us. So today, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Today, Lord, fill us full of the Holy Ghost. Today, bring revival, personal revival into my life. Bring personal revival into every life. And God, we jointly together will experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we will use it to edify you. The church will be the church. The church will reach souls. The church will heal blinded people. We will see deaf ears open, blinded eyes seen. We will see the dumb begin to speak and the lame begin to the wall. Lord, I believe the church, Lord God, is still empowered by your Holy Spirit today and you are working and you are ministering as only you can do. And Jesus, Lord, right now I ask you to heal our land. Heal the United States of America. Physically heal all of those that are suffering from, from the various diseases, in particular COVID-19. And God, right now, Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, to heal America. Heal hurt, heal pain, Lord, heal racism, Lord, right now, today, Lord, heal America in every way. But God, right now, the worst, the worst of the worst, the greatest healing that we stand in need of today is we need a spiritual healing as a nation. God, may we once again be a nation that turns their face to You. May we once again be a nation that calls upon You and says, will You and ask You to be our God and commit to You that we will be Your people. And I believe that, Lord, when we do, we will hear from Heaven. And You will heal this land, Lord God, that was built in faith, planted on You, God. Lord, heal us. Heal us, we cry out to You. Lord, we need You today, Lord God. Fill us with your presence. Heal us, Lord. There is a coming Gilead that will heal us, Lord, and bring us to wholeness, God. And we can once again proudly proclaim, Lord, that we are in one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, God. God, heal our land. Jesus, we just take the time to worship you today.